Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another episode of the Dynasty Reanimators here on Rotoviz Overtime. We're going to be talking about some of our teams, some of our listeners' teams as we try and reanimate their rosters and the championship contenders. Hopefully this year, Sean, but sometimes these things do take a slight bit longer. We're going to talk about a question from Matt in a couple of moments. Looking forward to that. But we are here. We're ready for the Friday edition of Rotoviz OT. How are you as we progress through this week? Awesome. Awesome. It's great to be doing a reanimators the feedback from this and just the interaction with the ot listener group has been a lot of fun i'm i'm excited about how this series has worked and can't wait to get into one today colin i mentioned on this week's best ball banana stand that we'd had a monsoon that the power lines were down everywhere i can kind of see across the street off in the distance here all the big cranes working night and day it's it's weird it's odd to have the spotlights out there all night long as they work through the night to sort of rebuild the infrastructure here we have above ground electric lines because in the desert here the ground is so hard that also creates a little problem as they're trying to dig into the ground to get these massive poles and to create anchors for them right you got to get them in there or they're just going to fall over again that part has been kind of interesting the air conditioning adventure is still in progress but i'm hoping to have that rectified here in the next few hours but fantasy football throughout it all so much fun column and we have this great question from matt and one of the reasons that i like this obviously we talk a lot about perpetual reloading and we've had we featured a lot of perpetually reloaded teams on the podcast to where i mean these teams are incredibly loaded they've been going through this process they have a bunch of stars. In many cases, four, five, six players who would be going in the first couple of rounds of startups, and they have depth and they have future picks. And so it's interesting to work through that puzzle of what pieces do I move, what pieces do I keep to take this super team and turn it into an empire. But when we're thinking about reanimators, and you and I were fortunate enough that the orphan that we selected in the RV Triflex format was an orphan that... I had done well the previous season. So a lot of what we're trying to do is put our twist on it and kind of move it from a mature team into a reloading type of team so that we can 
increase the value of the assets consistently. But the other element with orphans is that you will have teams that need a complete rebuild. They have to be <laughs> reanimated from a corpse. And so we have a question about a team like that today. And I love these situations where managers have been willing to go in and take a team that needs a lot of work and embrace that challenge because that challenge is both intellectually interesting and a lot of fun. Yeah, and this question comes in from Matt. But Sean, you made a good point there when you talked about some of these teams will be complete kind of reclamation projects starting really from the ground. Sometimes maybe even be, <laughs> you have to dig below ground like you're talking about with those electrical posts. But um, when I was over at the UK Fantasy Football Convention, there was some people talking there about playing at the FFPC, but about some of the orphans they had taken over and about you know the, the bargains you can get in terms of the entry fees for that season. So if you are taking over a team that is really depleted of options, future picks, for example, you can pick up those teams over at the FFPC. There won't be any available at this moment in time, but when it comes to next offseason, there will be some orphans available. Something to think about if you're thinking about, you know, making a complete project off it, taking over one of those teams at the, the lower kind of discounted rate. But we're going to go through Matt's team today, and he openly admits that his team has some struggles as they move forward. So he did take over an FFPC Superflex orphan roster he mentions in it that it's a potential mailbag question he mentions it is now sean an official mailbag question but he picked up an orphan dynasty team that was in rough shape he has since sold kelsey and Diggs, which obviously were two of the foundation pieces for that entire roster uh for future picks then he he says he has the worst roster now so rough that he had to draft will levis We'll talk about that maybe in a moment, but he said, in this scenario, how active should he be in terms of buying loan players in the hope that selling them later for better value? We've had a few questions like that in recent weeks about you know trying to acquire players now and sell them off. And he mentions here, almost like the stock market, or is it better to be patient and selective with dealing his picks? The last part of the question is, is he potentially missing out on opportunities to add value by doing that so when we run through sean some of the information cut downs will be coming up pre prior to the season so there will maybe be some opportunities to pick up depth pieces but not really pieces that are going to be of significant value at that time he said he won't give me the full roster but his quarterbacks are Tannehill, levis and Brissett. Uh, he mentions then that his top receivers are bitman nico collins jameson williams jonathan mingo and curtis samuel and his only running backs are aj dillon zeke Abanakanda, he just traded Connor for a second. So he has two firsts, his own, and one from another team that finished fifth to eighth in the standings last year. And maybe we'll get a prime pick in the FFPC format with that drawback that you have mentioned multiple times on it for the kind of playoff scenario at the FFPC. And he has two seconds. So before we get into Sean, some of the players that he has inquired about, more information he's given us after that, those questions that he mentions there in terms of how to go about building a team basically from scratch the stock market question comes into it is it better to be patient is it better to be really active how, how are you going to buy a team if it is in you know a real uh, phase one of a, a full rebuild here this question is just fascinating it's one of the best questions that we've got i mean obviously we have a lot of really good questions but this is a, a complicated issue in that if you're moving for veterans to resell them in dynasty, that can be tough because they're not going to really bring back much value at any point 
unless you start to move into these guys who, you know, are first, second, third round pick types of characters. So if you have a Devonte Adams and he's in a decent, but maybe not incredible season, like what he normally does, you're going to be able to still move him to somebody who's going to buy a little bit of a bounce back down the stretch, somebody who needs those points regardless. A similar dynamic is at play with Stephon Diggs and Travis Kelsey, two players who were on his team originally. I mean, if you have a Derrick Henry or a Nick Chubb and those guys are in the midst of a really hot touchdown run, then you'll be able to move them to contending teams. One of the issues here in terms of what I tend to see in leagues and in six or seven of these triflex leagues obviously have a lot of industry leagues and the industry leagues can be a little bit different than other types of leagues because you do tend to see people play it in a pretty similar way although Colin, one of the most interesting dynasty shows we did was a couple years ago when we had michael leone on and discussed some formats there where you'd have teams get really high, get really low. One of the things that some of the successful teams were doing was buying, just consistently buying really low on quality veterans because the rebuilding teams, they kind of match that rebuilding arms race, <laughs> had to keep selling, keep selling, keep selling, try and create as much future draft capital as possible. And so you've got to kind of mix those elements because if you are into a situation and a context where you have three or four competitive teams, eight or nine rebuilding teams. I mean, those rebuilding teams don't get a great market for what they're trying to sell. The thing that I think is cool about the RV Triflex, about this particular format, which as we mentioned is the FFPC Superflex, is that because of the cutdowns, you have a lot of different dynamics at play and it's a little bit more difficult for a team to get so far ahead because those extra 10 spots the difference between 20 roster spots and 30 roster spots is going to be a lot of depth for a team that has run really really well but then you also get these players who are going to be cut who could be quality players but also when you have a dynamic where six teams are qualifying for the playoffs that initial playoff week can have a lot of randomness in terms of who comes through. So if you can get in and then you can get into the semis, you've got a real shot, especially if the playing field is a little bit more leveled. And then for the teams that miss, you also have this tournament to where if you're one of the strongest non-playoff teams, that can work in your favor, as you just mentioned. So I think that that creates a really cool environment for making some of these moves where you're bringing on some veterans. Now, the initial thing that I just always want to mention is that when people start to rebuild their rosters, they tend to want to move all the veterans and keep all of the young players and think this is a foundation piece, this is a foundation piece, this is a foundation piece, or maybe they're not even foundation pieces. They're just interesting guys who, if they hit, can become meaningful because they're young. The problem with that is that it can slow down your rebuild 
And if you slow it down, then the time frame for those foundation pieces gets stretched to where once you have finally got it made, you're so actually into the yeah, I mean you're actually into the position where you need to resell those players, right? You you've got to the point then where when you can't hold them for two more years and then trade them at the peak, your rebuild can't take you throughout the entire window for the guys you see as foundation. So my recommendation in most of these cases is to actually move the players who are so compelling to other dynasty managers that they're willing to pay you a lot. So that's kind of the first piece. The second piece with that would be if you have young players who have a very wide range of outcomes, they might actually make more sense on your opponent's teams, at least in the early stages of the rebuild, if they're willing to pay for that wide range of outcomes. Because you just have so much bust. If you could move that bust to somebody else, you again are creating a, a better foundation and more overall draft assets to start this reload as opposed to rebuild. And so a name that I look at and see here would be a couple of names. You see Nico Collins, you see Jonathan Mingo. Collins, I think, interesting because probably doesn't have a lot going for him other than a potential wide receiver one role right away. And so he could hit this season, it, and probably not a huge hit. And even the optimistic Collins advocates are not necessarily suggesting a huge hit, just that he's a good pick in that early double-digit round range, say, in best ball, for example. But if you can move him to a team that needs him this year and not worry about, well, what happens in 2024 when the Texans are actually half-decent, or 2025 when they're good? Mingo, a similar kind of thing, where there's a lot of upside there. He could be the one. He could be a breakout star. I mean, you're kind of getting comps like a DJ Chark, like a Chase Claypool. You think through where those guys are now. Now, do I want to hold a player where those are actually kind of ceiling outcomes for him? Now, I mean, maybe you're looking at that and saying this could be the next Christian Watson, in which case, obviously, you're going to hold. But if you have another manager in your league who is – excited about that player and willing to really pay then i would move those guys and really be looking to the future and then call them the second part of this discussion would get into this veteran mix that he discusses which is really interesting with the ffpc cut down coming yeah so the cut down will be coming prior to the start of the nfl season but sean you've mentioned a few times we were even talking before we started here our roster at the ffpc that you mentioned a moment ago has 25 players on that roster so we're going to have to cut down to 20 before the season you mentioned a few times a roster i believe it's the one you have with blair that has i don't know like 68 players at this moment in time but uh, <laughs> i think i think you might have mentioned it as 30 players but it's it's pretty loaded up so there is going to be teams for example in match league who are also going to have to cut down some of those names but it will be the the final kind of trimmings off the squad obviously you'll work to move those roster uh requirements down like we will try and trade them away for future picks try and do some two for one deals and so on and so forth so it will just be the final bits of those rosters but it might still be valuable to match roster in that particular scenario the other things sean with this roster as well when we're looking at veterans the likes of an aj dylan for me somebody like dylan is somebody on a roster like this where you're trying to rebuild where you're probably going to want to kind of see what he's doing those first couple of weeks of the season and, and maybe be able to move him then if he's you know leading the way in that Packers backfield, for example. 
Jamison Williams, you mentioned Mingo and Collins, but Williams, although he's going to be suspended for the first six weeks of this season, still quite a positive outlook from a dynasty perspective. So he's probably somebody who could fit into that. But even the likes of a Bateman, he's probably fitting into the AJ Dillon side of things where you're hoping that there's some kind of intrinsic value where as the season has gone four weeks in, maybe a team has an injury running back. They're trying to replace that. They want to take AJ Dillon off your hands. That's potentially other ways, but I think with Matt also looking for those moves in the offseason to try and build it, I think it's going to take a, a number of small moves. The question, or a lot of smaller moves, sorry. The question, though, Sean, I'd be asking you is, you mentioned kind of moving those younger players, potentially, either for future picks or potential options now. How small is that window for a team like this who is planning to you know, re- redevelop the entire squad picking up veteran players who maybe are in the window or beyond the window of their you know prime and getting caught with those players so i guess we go back to the stock market you know buying an option on a stock and then getting caught with that stock and not being able to offload you mentioned somebody like derrick henry i had a startup draft a couple of years ago and henry just kept you know falling and falling and falling and eventually i thought i have to like derrick henry at this particular point and i spent my plan was i'll draft him and move him this offseason and i had derrick henry on that roster for the whole whole entire season and traded him the next offseason so sometimes you can also get stuck with that player that maybe your plan was that oh this will be pretty easy to move on but you and 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 if you have a roster that is developed you can kind of absorb those hits but on a team like this that could also increase the length of that rebuild well one of the things that you mentioned there with henry is that you were in a draft where the other 11 managers were willing to let him really fall and so that's a good point as well yeah and then you have to try and trade them to one of those 11 guys (laughs) right right and so one of the advantages of that though when you're thinking through the different scenarios is that you can play him for that year and help you win in the debut season and then as there's turnover in the manager group he's a, a very effective player to sell the next year maybe you have to take a little bit of a hit and maybe he falls even further, but often you can even sell at a very minor gain to a new manager who's come into the league. Wasn't part of that original group that passed him all the way down and is looking for an injection of interesting players onto their roster. But Colin, you mentioned this idea of the veterans and how do we kind of maneuver it so we don't get stuck with them. And this is, again, I think one of the really cool parts about the FFPC format, which is that because of the cutdowns, managers are dealing with a slightly different dynamic. So I'm going to take this from the perspective of our roster and what we might try and do, and then wrap that back into the options that Matt has. So we have 25 players. And you mentioned the team I have with Blair. That team had 31. We did just trade Rondell Moore and Justin Ross for a future second, which I mean, yeah, you're trading two really fun guys for a pick that may or may not be that valuable. But in Superflex especially, we try and load up on these round two picks. You can spin them again into the future, especially in drafts that are a little bit deeper once the QBs push some people down. If those round two picks fall in the first half of round two, they can be just as valuable as the last four or five picks in round one. I love that element of it and obviously we still have nine more players <laughs> that we have to do something with as we move forward you and i have 25 
probably three of them are not real players. We have Bailey Zappi, Tucker Craft, and they're real people, but not real players. I think that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> they're not real. I, I don't know, Sean, if you've seen the the meme that has been going on with the lady on the airplanes and that guy down there is not real. I don't know if you've seen that. It's been a big hit on, on Twitter over the last week. I know Sean <laughs> doesn't spend much time on Twitter, but uh, have you seen that? Just And I'm sure the listeners know what I'm talking about if Sean doesn't have any idea. I don't, but it seems like the perfect fit for where, for where we are here. The but third person Bailey who... Zappi isn't real. That's what you're saying. The third person who is very real, <laughs> and we're desperately hoping that he can also be a real actual football player and a real fantasy football player, is Justin Ross. So, I mean, there's still quite a bit of projection there so when we think about where we are we might be closer to 22 if we're at 22 and we have to get down two guys then you're starting to look at the bottom of the lineup as potentially being or the bottom of the roster as raheem mostert damian harris perhaps Dwayne mcbride especially if we don't get extremely positive camp news early on possibly isaiah likely even though if they do run a lot of two tight end sets I mean, likely his numbers when he was actually on the field last year were extremely impressive. You pull up the ceiling signals tool, you'll see what I mean there in terms of diving into some of his peripherals. But Colin, I think the initial instinct here is that we want to have the 20 best players that we can. And so as a result, we're going to be looking to move a Damian Harris or a Raheem Mostert or maybe an Isaiah Likely and keep the top guys. The problem is that especially when other teams, because we've just had the seven-round rookie draft, right? And so the teams are going to have different numbers of players. We do have a team in this league that has 18. That's something you want to look at, especially if that team has 18 and also some needs. Then you're going to go discuss some possibilities there. They'd be able to take on a two-for-one and still not be up to the full roster. But when other teams have cut down to 16, then you've had a seven-round draft, so teams have an average of 23 players and they've got to get down some guys as well. What's the actual market for a player like Damian Harris, a player like Raheem Mostert? You're going to be giving those guys away. Now, I mean, there's, there are possibilities where that isn't true, right? You could have James Cook go down and suddenly you're looking at Damian Harris in the same light as you would look at an Alexander Madison. For Raheem Mostert, you could have them not sign an additional running back, which we definitely hope is the case. And maybe A-Chain isn't as dynamic during the preseason as people are hoping. Maybe he goes down in the backfield a lot while Mostert is generating raves is going to be the clear-cut starter. That's unlikely. But I mean, there are some narrow paths to getting those guys some real trade value at the deadline. But most likely, if you move players like that, you're going to be moving them for a future four or a future five. And if you can get those prices, you probably even take them because otherwise you're getting rid of the guys for free. Now, one of the things I do mention in conversations with other managers at different times is that if the price doesn't really move the needle for us, then we will probably just cut the players. And it's not to be hard to get along with because... One of our foundation principles is you want to trade as often as possible and you want to make as many win-win trades as possible. And you want to feel like you want to create an environment where the other 11 managers feel like if they come to you, they're going to get great responses. That doesn't mean you're going to accept their trades, but you're going to interact with them in a friendly manner. You're going to listen to what their needs are. You're going to work with them on trades. You're not going to just simply say, no, we're not interested in that. 
But there will be cases where it makes more sense for you to just cut the players, have them out there making free agency deeper, and create a dynamic where if after the first week you have an injury and then the guy that you cut that you liked is there, you can bid for them and put them back as opposed to give them to a team that is weaker in depth, more or less for free, right? So those are the dynamics you're discussing when you're trying to think about the bottom guys on the roster. But the other possibility is to actually look at your players who do have some intriguing value and think, okay, I can move the 14th and 15th guys on my roster for real value. And then I don't have to cut anybody that I think is a meaningful fantasy player, even if they don't have meaningful trade value. So we might be looking at a Jamison Williams, who is also on Matt's team. We might be looking at a Rondell Moore if he's in an environment where he looks good and the Cardinals offense looks competent during the preseason. You're going to have some more interest there. You might look at a guy like an Evan Ingram. We have Pat Fryermuth and Sam Laporta. We're big believers in Laporta. It might be a situation there where Laporta becomes a superstar. And then you've got two burgeoning, you know, middle to even maybe high tight end ones with your two tight ends. Evan Ingram going to be a big scorer. He's just signed the new contract. The Jacksonville offense appears to be on its way to being one of the best in the NFL. This could be an explosive unit. Evan Ingram, one of the best athletes at the position. It's going to be hard for opposing teams to focus on him when you've got to deal with Christian Kirk and hopefully Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones. Evan Ingram to the right team and might be worth a future first. Tight ends in this format are really important. We talk all the time about the difference between FFPC and underdog, for example, in best ball and what that means at the tight end position. Well, in FFPC dynasty, you have a similar type of move. So you can look at a position there where you're very strong, where your third tight end could be a difference maker for an opposing squad if you get the right price. You can't move him at much of a discount because one of your tight ends gets hurt, Laporta doesn't immediately emerge, and suddenly you've moved a league winner to an opponent and you're stuck yourself. You want to be careful about doing that type of thing. But even once we move into the starting lineup, a DeAndre Hopkins, you know, maybe not as exciting after the Tennessee situation, but maybe he is. Maybe he's now the clear-cut number one on an offense that wants to throw the ball more. I mean, their front office has been indicating that very strongly. You've got a player like a George Pickens with a huge range of outcomes. Perhaps there's a Pickens believer, and you can move him for a first plus another player that you can spin. I mean, for Pickens, I'd be looking for a first, a second, and another player that you can flip. So you've got to get the right price. But if you move players who are in that 10 to 15 range and get real value, then you don't have to worry about getting rid of these guys who you want but don't have trade value. So then that works back to Matt's question to where if he is in a league where the managers are not thinking that way and you have a lot of – and partly it just – in the end, it's inevitable that you're going to have a lot of managers who do have borderline guys they have to get rid of. You look through that market in your league, and if you can move for a bunch of players like a Harris, a Mostert, maybe an Antonio Gibson, another player that we have on our roster, a Rondell Moore, maybe even a Justin Ross, if you can move for, say, 10 guys 
then suddenly your roster depth is much more significant. You put yourself into a better mix to win the back draw. So, I mean, you're possibly going to still be in the mix to get a buy because if you're not competitive, you'd like to get a buy. Even if you have the best team in the back draw, <laughs> you can still lose in that first round and then set yourself up for the 105 or the 106. But you have multiple paths then if you have guys who are good. So you put yourself on the path to win the backdrop, but now you have a roster where instead of five or six mediocre but maybe vaguely interesting players and then a lot of space, now you've got a full 20. You've got an interesting 20. And the reason that these players can rise in value in FFPC is that in part because you've gotten so many guys now, none of whom have real trade value, but all of whom are decent, a few of them will hit some ceiling outcomes. And then even though that ceiling outcome for that person's profile probably isn't that great, it still makes them tradable. But as the season goes along and the guys start falling to injury, now we have a much tighter player pool and the teams who are competitive, now they need those players where early in the season they didn't have room for them. So that's the real reason why in this type of format, if you have that depth of interesting player, you can move them at that point and get more trade value back. So I think this is a great question. I think that Matt is in a situation where before the cut down, he can make moves to get interesting talent, and then he'll be able to flip those guys later in the season. It won't be easy, and it will require a lot of trade conversation about guys who are maybe a little bit boring. And so it depends to an extent on how much fun you find that. But hopefully we all love it, right? I mean, hopefully you're in that dynasty league because you want to interact with the other managers, and that'll be part of the value of what you paid, is that you get the entertainment value out of it, and you get the fun of playing really competitive but meaningful fantasy football. Yeah, lots of great points in there. Um, you mentioned Evan Ingram, Sean, and then he obviously signed a new contract over the last uh, week or so. One of the bigger winners at the tight end position over the last 12 months with what has happened with him in Jacksonville with that offense, with his new contract. So very positive for him and somebody who is on this roster who you know, has enhanced his dynasty stock again in those last 12 months quite dramatically. The other great point, I think you made the people tend to not want to do because it is uncomfortable is not trying to move those guys who are at the bottom end of your roster who can be very very hard to move if it is a case that other teams may not be interested in those or they may know that you're likely to have to cut them is trading those guys with we talk about sometimes trading you know the veteran wide receiver who's at the high end of his uh, value that can be a little bit easier of a conversation but when you're trying to get those guys in the middle and you're thinking well this guy is going to give me some value over the next 12 months, but they might be the players to actually go straight ahead and move. And you mentioned an example, Sean, of what we kind of seen play out in the NFL over the last couple of days was Denzel Mims with the, the Jets. The reports had come out that the Jets had released him, then that was quashed, and then he's been traded to the Lions. So kind of, you know, when you're at those cutdowns, those are the conversations that are going on. And maybe the Jets did say, if you don't give us something that's, you know, going to be worth our while, uh, we're just going to cut them. So that would have put them out into the waiver wires for the, the 32 or the 31 other teams. So kind of a similar situation to what we see sometimes in these dynasty scenarios. He did mention, Sean, that he did inquire about Kyder as a buy-low candidate, but th- I would imagine this is the same across many people's leagues as the feelings on Kyler Murray could be very different from 
you know, manager to manager. He was told he was untouchable. So he's considered one of our favorites and Howell um, as a trade target to try and get a more competent quarterback. He picked up Bateman, as we talked about there, along with the first for Stefan Diggs in that trade. He's open to making a bet of similar value to try and add more picks, maybe with moving Bateman. He also mentioned Jahan Dotson might be able uh, might be available because of cut down concerns. But unless it's a situation, Sean, where we're talking about where a, a manager is thinking, I'm going to take you know my tenth best player and move him ahead of the cut down. I don't think there's any chance that Dodson would fall into any potential cut scenario from an actual cut perspective. Um, I assume that is what he means there. He also mentioned that he had another owner ask him if he wanted to trade for Dulcich. And the, the reason I read through that part of the the message is Greg Dulcich. I think that if you have checked out Blair's article on the website this week, some information on that about Greg Dulcich and how his rookie campaign fared even and with a difficult time in denver and if you're getting offered greg dulcich at a reasonable price in the tight end premium format sean i think that is one that this team would really stand to do well from doing before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Completely agree. And I think if you're going to trade for the young guys and get the actual players on the roster, and again, we discussed the way in which at the very beginning of a rebuild if it's a true rebuild it's just so important not to get locked into names and not to get locked into the idea that this person is going to be part of the eventual league winning team but you want to be moving for players who have a very wide range of outcomes and despite having intriguing numbers and interesting chunks of their rookie seasons Dotson still had an issue with actually drawing a lot of targets and that's coming off of a draft profile that probably was a little bit overvalued purely from a numbers perspective. Now, as I'm looking at Dotson, I'm thinking the commanders were probably right. He was somebody who they raved about instantly when they got him out there for the initial camp. He's somebody who was very dynamic as a touchdown scorer right off the bat as a rookie. He did some of those things with terrible quarterback play. And because of where they drafted him, obviously they have a lot of incentive to continue developing and make him look like a star. But we do want to realize that there were some red flags there. It's not the same thing as someone who broke out as a sophomore in college, declared after their third year, had these insane numbers in terms of yards per route as a collegiate. It's not quite that situation. So it's important not to pay those prices. Dulcich, I think some similar elements there, especially with how crowded the wide receiver room is to where even though obviously those guys are going to play wide receiver and not tight end, you're dealing with an overall pie in the passing game. So both of those players, we want to focus on maybe the 30th or 40th percentile price. And then because they're young, they're going to probably hold that value even if they don't succeed. 
in 2023. Now, obviously, if they hit, you've got a big win. The problem, of course, is that most of the opposing managers aren't going to give them to you at the 30 or 40 percentile price in terms of you know what the outcomes are. But you might. And that's one of the reasons why you always want to discuss these. And if the opposing manager is actually coming to you and saying, look, I got this guy, then maybe that's a good place for starting the conversation. And one of the things you want to always be open to doing is working with that person to help them feel good about the trade, give them little pieces that maybe you have extra of. So one of the things that I'm always looking to do in all dynasty formats, but especially in triflex and Superflex formats, the FFPC, is to acquire those four, five, six, seven picks that a lot of managers will just throw away because, yeah, I mean, they're actually not worth that much. And so <laughs> you have some people who don't want to deal with them at all, aren't really interested in that part of the rookie draft. Now, we talked about it before, where, I mean, if we have that average of 23 players per roster, I mean, those four, five, six, seven picks, a lot of those guys are still players that managers actually want to keep. They're the last guys on the roster who are interesting. You've got veterans in the mix. They're all that kind of thing. It's not to say that those picks have a ton of value, but if you get to where you have four fourths, four fifths, four sixths, four sevenths, then you can work with some managers to bridge some small gaps by giving them a handful of picks here or a handful of picks there working through that process. You want to be able to take the picks in trade discussions with managers who value them at about zero and move them to managers who do give them a little bit of value. So it's, it's not some a huge win on the individual trades, but you're trying to stock up with as many different types of pieces as possible because when you then move to a different manager for a different discussion, if that manager gives it even a little bit and you're looking at something where they're like, I'm going to have to sell low on Dulcich or somebody because I have to get from 21 to 20. And some of the rosters are very, very good. I mean, <laughs> that roster that I have with Blair, for example, the roster that I have been with Ben, for example, the roster that I have with Monty. I mean, all three of those rosters are kind of looking at quarterback as being the thing that could stop us. But we also have players like the 24th, 25th player are good. Right. So it's not going to be any kind of simple maneuver to get down from that without giving some people real values. If you're working with that manager, then they're going to have to make some types of moves somewhere. The person they're most likely to make the move with is someone who will meet them, maybe not even halfway, but just a little bit of the way. Someone who is having a friendly conversation with them and somebody who's willing to throw in some extra pieces just for the sake of like making people feel good. Like not that you're saying, Oh, this bridges the gap, but the person is willing to give something to you as opposed to standing there and saying, look, you're stuck. I'm going to make you give me something at a discount because you're stuck. Well, when somebody does that, you just go, well, I'm going to go trade it to somebody else just for the for the heck of it. <laughs> right? So you, you want to work through the psychology of it and the value of it and try to make the moves in that direction. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love for Matt to get Dotson and Dulcich on this roster. Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting, Matt, if you do make any of those moves, let us know. He did mention that he's looking forward to hearing our thoughts if we've got a chance to add it to the show when he's out having a run or mowing his lawn over the next couple of weeks. So uh, hopefully as he mows his lawn, he's enjoyed this conversation. Um, Sean, I think this has been a lot of fun. We like to get different topics, different ideas. You mentioned at the start of the show, we've talked about lots of different ways to perpetually reload your roster we've got some people then coming in from the opposite side where maybe the team like this one from matt needs a little bit more work makes 
uh, we like to cover all topics. So if you have something that maybe we haven't covered on the show, you would like to hear us talk about anything at all, let us know. We'll try and implement it into some of our future shows. Uh, love the interaction with the, the Road of His OT community. Sean, we are going to have a draft episode again next week, early in the week. I believe it'll be our Wednesday episode, but we're going to have King Cap on, who won the BBM three regular season last year so we're going to hopefully draft a bbm4 team with him get some of his strategy talk through some of the moves there so looking forward to that and colin i mean if you're looking to win bbm4 then i don't think there is a better path to figuring out how to do it than to listening to someone who is a millionaire i mean it kind of <laughs> depends on how you view the texas element of it but someone who is a millionaire and someone who accomplish that feat by drafting a zero rb team that was perfect if you want to learn how to draft the perfect zero rb team join us next week with one of our favorites king cap i mean I, i've already you know got goosebumps i'm excited it's gonna be great the tricky part is sean we talked about like potential strategies we might use in some future drafts maybe some hyper fragile drafts coming up in the next couple of weeks so we're going to implement some stuff and feels like we may not be able to do that with King Cap. So we'll see what happens on that Wednesday edition. We might have to get him to sign a you know, a waiver or something before he comes on in case we go for a hyper-fragile build with him. But looking forward to that. I'll also be recording with Connor O'Driscoll this Friday. You'll be listening to the show as it records on Friday or drops on Friday. We're recording it on Thursday evening. So that episode with Connor should be coming out possibly over the weekend, if not Monday. So looking forward to talking with him as always. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. Add over to Marlin. My co-host, as always, is Sean Siegel. Check his work on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.